Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, founder and CEO of Tribal Knowledge Podcasting, and my guest is Richard Greaser, VP of Marketing at Sales Boomerang, a company that notifies lenders when a borrower is ready for a loan. Richard, it's great to have you on the show. Hey, thanks, Jeremy. It's great to be here. And I got to let our listeners know, I'm especially excited to have you because as we discovered the other day when we when we spoke, we are both parents of identical twin boys. <laughs> and whenever I meet someone who, is, whenever I meet someone who, who's an identical twin parent, it's just kind of thrilling because we have an understanding that you just can't have unless you're us. Unless you're a member of the battalion, yeah. as I like, I like to say. Yep, both veterans with PTSD. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, okay, so let's get into it. First, tell us a little bit about Sales Boomerang. As I described, you guys notify lenders when a borrower is ready for a loan. But what, is, what does that mean? Why is that something valuable to offer? Well, it's 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 a good question. So at the at the crux of it, the the customer retention for mortgage lending in general is abysmally low, right? So like eighteen percent of customers come back to the lender. Why is that? A lot of them report majority of the time that they had a great experience doing the loan, and so we're really solving that problem for the lender. Okay. Now I know that one of the challenges that you guys face in in your account based marketing figuring out exactly who to talk to at any given account. And you have kind of a cool scientific way of doing this. So explain that process for our listeners. Sure. I'll, I'll take a minute to talk about that. And it's a big part of what I do here at Sales Boomerang. So you can imagine mortgage lending. There's about 7,500 lenders in the United States. And that goes from mortgage lenders to banks to credit unions. If you've ever bought a home, just think about who you did your loan with, Right. And so, you know, that's a very finite pool to go after as a target, right? And they desperately need our services. We're uh, number 101 in Inc. 5000 this year. We're the fastest growing, number one fastest growing mortgage technology company, which I'm very proud of. And the reason is we're providing such incredible value to our, our customers, our lenders, who we really deeply care about. And they're getting an average of 20x ROI with us. So that means like for every dollar they, they spend with us, we're giving back about $20 in profit which is phenomenal. And, um, and I love, that's what, one of the reasons I love working here. And it's really important that all of your team feels the same way, right? And our team is unique. I don't think I've ever been at a company where all of the employees are so motivated and on board because of the value we're providing to our, to our clients. And so when we're going up to those 7,500 different lender targets, first of all, I have to pull the data on who they are. And we get that from a few different industry data resources. We know exactly who they are. We know their websites. We know their NMLS IDs. That's the IDs that they have to use legally to do loans, right? And so we know for a fact, these are the 7,500 targets. Now, everybody in the organization isn't someone that we want to talk to. Actually, our software sends an alert. So let's say your credit improves, right? And you, you did a loan with XYZ lender before, and now your credit improves. And you could probably get a better loan and save 100 or 200 bucks a month on your mortgage payment that you're just paying and, and wasting on, on interest right now. We're the good, good news company, right? We send good news to the lender and say, hey, look, you should pick up the phone and call this borrower because if you don't, that, you know, the, the market has gotten so sophisticated and competition has gotten so sophisticated that someone else is going to, right? People are buying up data on, the on what mortgages people are in on the entire, in the entire United States. And so the moment someone qualifies for a better loan, other companies are poaching those customers. And so that's a big part of the reason that the lending industry has such a low customer retention rate. 
So I digress. So we need to talk to the right people. Our product is built for the loan officer. They get the alert. They get that alert that says, you know, hey, Jeremy, you did this loan with them. Their, their credit has improved and they can now get a better loan. You pick up the phone, you call the borrower. And a very high percentage of the time, you end up closing the loan because the borrower realizes they're just wasting a bunch of money on interest. That's just one of the different alert types that we send, right? Another reason could be the, the borrower could maybe drop mortgage insurance, right? A lot of different reasons. Now, what's funny is that in marketing, you'd think that I would write all of our, I would basically plan all of our marketing to go out for, for these loan officers that you know, our product department would only be thinking about the loan officers. But in reality, the person who makes the decision on whether they're going to use Sales Boomerang or not is the is usually an executive at the company, right? At the corporate level, not not the loan officers. They actually rarely talk to each other. And so all of my marketing is to get probably three or four different executives at each of those 7,500 companies to get a, cu a couple of them on a call with our sales team and just learn more about the product. All I'm doing is giving more information. Everybody here who probably gets on the podcast and talks about marketing knows that it's just about disseminating information, timely information, where someone is in the funnel at the right time, what information do they need to know. And, uh, and so that's what I need to do. I have a, a graph that I show, right? And on the, on the y-axis, if you showed accessibility, you'd see that loan officers are very accessible, meaning they're trained. They get paid to pick up the phone and talk to borrowers. So when our, our outreach teams, you know, pick up the phone and call them, they answer. Problem is they have no decision-making authority for sales boomerang. They're mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's great. I'd love to have it, you know, but they actually are going to influence the purchase. Who I need to get the final buy-in from, uh, our company does, is usually a C-suite, you know, someone on the C-suite team. It's going to be a, a president, a CEO, a CFO, probably a CFO, because it's going to have to be the budget that gets approved, right? They're going to get mm -hmm. involved at some point. But they're very busy and not accessible, right? They're on the opposite end of that of that graph in terms of accessibility. And then you've got the x-axis, right? And that's decision-making authority. That C-suite is way out there on, on, you know, they're as high as it goes with decision-making authority. They're exactly who I want. Completely inaccessible, though. So what, what do I have to find? I have to find that advocate in the organization who is then going to go do the pitch on our behalf to the C-suite person. And maybe eventually get that C-suite person on a call with us. Sometimes, sometimes not. Sometimes they just do the pitch and get the approval themselves. And so usually it's the problem. Who is the person at the organization? This is where buyer persona workshops come in. And anybody who's done a lot of B2B and B2B SaaS does these a lot. You find out who is the persona that's actually your champion in the organization, right? Who's the person you're solving the, the problem for? And the problem I'm sol we're solving is for, usually it's a, a marketer, like a director of marketer, a director of sales, VP of lending, EVP of production. It's the person who at the end of the day has to feed all of the 100 or 200 loan officers that, you know, that rely on the company to give them opportunities because we add about 20% of new loan opportunities for our clients. And so that person who cares about generating leads for their loan officers to work is typically our champion because they're held to a number, right? They're just like I'm held to a number for generating leads for my sales team. Mm -hmm they're held to a number for generating leads for their loan officers. And so they're the champion. Okay. <laughs> and, and I think you're right that a lot of listeners to this podcast totally understand what you're talking about. Finding that champion in the company who can be that bridge to the C-suite or the bridge to whoever it is that needs to make the decision for sure. And I know that you guys have a variety of strategies for connecting with those champions, for finding them and then engaging them. One of them 
is a white paper you have called Cracking the Code. And I think you described this to me as kind of like your central piece of content that's that's really been very successful for you guys. So first, just describe what this white paper is. And then I want to talk about white papers generally, sort of what is a white paper? How is it different from from, say, an article or a blog post? And what is the particular value of a white paper? But let's let's start with cracking the code. Just what is it? Just briefly describe what the white paper is. <laughs> Very briefly, I know my first answer was pretty long-winded, but uh, the white paper is essentially, uh, it goes into why the mortgage industry has such low customer retention. Like, why is it only 18% of customers are coming back to those, le- to those lenders? And then we take an average of uh, just a random 20 lender panel that use borrower intelligence, our, our borrower intelligence, and we show the difference from before they use sales boomerang and one year after, and we look at their retention rates, their customer retention rate. And uh, it's very eye-opening, I think, for a lot of lenders uh, when they see it. And there's not a lot of really good data in the industry on this subject. Borrower intelligence is kind of a new term in mortgage lending. And, and the reason is most folks are just looking at what's in front of me right now. I need to, I need to buy new leads. They're going on Zillow and Realtor.com, and they're totally ignoring their past database. And their ta- past database of customers, you know, every three to five years is going to do How a do new home loan or a refinance. Exactly. And so it, it adds up. How do you use this white paper? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think it's very simple. I, I think we use the white paper to kind of show lenders, did you know that uh, what is the value of customer retention to your business, right? Let's say you did 100 loans a year and you could retain at least 1% more of those loans. Well, that'd be one loan, right? One loan more. Well, the, 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 the net value of this white paper that it shows is that borrower intelligence with our customers is showing, and this is a total random set of 20 lenders that, that we pulled for this white paper. We are improving their loans, their retention of their loans by about 11%. So if you do 100 loans a year, that's 11 loans. Now our lenders do a lot more than that, right? And 11 loans times $250,000 in average loan is a lot of money. You could have put this information into a blog post or an article or or something else. Why a white paper specifically? I mean, what is a white paper, say, vis-a-vis a blog post? What's the difference exactly? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the white paper is, you know, white papers, you don't, are usually some piece of research is going into a white paper, right? Blog posts are usually a lot more qualitative Whereas a white paper takes a long time to produce, and what takes time to produce is the analysis of the data. So pulling the data that I just mentioned for this white paper took, took you know, actually not that long. Analyzing it, formatting it, getting it into the right usable, so you can actually uh, find out what are those tidbits that are most interesting. How is the data going to be uh, put together? That's actually yeah. the, the the long pull, and then you got to package it and write it and, and write it so it's digestible. You know, it takes a long time to produce a really good white paper. I think a lot of companies put them out and a lot of the white papers look a lot like blog posts. Those aren't white papers. To me, someone should be getting um, a brand new net new set of data shown to them and they should learn something new from it. And also in terms of marketing, if you're just using it, you know, we have a lot of different tools in our kit as marketers. And I think white papers are great because you put them on a landing page. Usually you have a gated, gated with a form. And so you find out who it is that downloaded it and you can have your uh, 
sales teams reach out to whoever downloaded and say, hey, did you learn a lot from the white paper? What did you think about these lenders that are using borrower intelligence and are, are getting an, an average of 11% more of their customers coming back than they were before they started using borrower intelligence? That's mm, powerful. Yeah. Whereas the blog posts are rarely gated, right? You don't usually put like a, put your email in to see this blog post. People are going to bounce, right? But people usually come for the white papers. They came to see that data. They want to see it. And they're just an effective okay. tool. So what would be your advice for marketing teams that that see that, that agree with that and say, yeah, we, we want to get more into white papers? What's the first step? How do you begin planning to produce a white paper? You know what? I think it starts with your your customers and the problems you're trying to solve for them. You know, I think that's where it starts. I think every company that I see out there has its own proprietary data set. If you've got customers that are buying your product and using it, then you can learn and glean insights from it, right? If you're if you're a chatbot, how many times does someone log in amongst all your customers on average, right? And how much do you improve the customer experience in general, right? Those are all the statistics that you can pull. And I think the best of the different companies that we partner with that I see in the marketplace, um, you know, the best ones put together their own unique proprietary data set. I know one uh, company that puts out a report and we also do a report, uh, but they put out a report on loan officer compensation. And so they do it in, as an average across all of their clients that you know use their software to uh, compensate their loan officers, right? It's very complicated software and they have great data. And the whole uh, market, the lending market ha- would love to learn about how are they comparing to the benchmark, right? And so it becomes valuable to the market. And it's a great conversation to have, right? You're providing value when you put a piece of uh, content out there, when you have your own proprietary data set that people can then go and learn from and use as a benchmark. Absolutely. Great advice. Well, Richard, thanks for that and for all your great insights and for a great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Hey, Jeremy. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.